are back. It's Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam, along with Nick and Keith. And for those who are new around here, we have a tendency to disappear for a month or so. And this usually only happens six times a year or so. So we're back. Uh, fellas, good to be back. Life gets in the way. What are you going to do? Uh, h- how are the families? Uh, Nick, you sent me a snap the other day of your girls, which made me want to vomit because of the cuteness, obviously, but <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going also because your oldest is like a little, a little person now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fucking me up. It just, uh, that's, that's a little person, not a, not a baby, not a baby anymore. Yeah. Never a dull moment. Uh, they're growing fast. Every day feels a, a bit like a whirlwind, especially this past week, uh, you know, sickness running through the house, one kid home from school all week and the other, uh, home today at least, and perhaps tomorrow heading into the weekend. So Definitely looking forward to a little bit of relaxation on the weekend here. Finally get back to watching some Leafs hockey and uh, yeah. And uh, Keith, what about yourself? How are how are things in New Brunswick? Good, good. Things are good. My kid's learning how to read right now, which is a that's, wild yeah, that's wild. experience. Dope. It's it's the most like like you get like all these milestone things like oh they learn they learn to crawl they learn to walk they learn to, like talk and but reading has been the first one that's like floored yeah. me to see it happen so. That's been the excite, excitement around the house here. Um, yeah, and always kind of traveling for work, which is taking up a bunch of my time, but glad to be back. Glad we're doing this. Yeah, for sure. Not quite as far of a travel as you've been on, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I uh, the, the last couple of weeks, I'll, I'll take the, the blame for that for sure. I've been on the road, I mentioned it on a previous pod, but uh, went to Fiji which was quite a time. Uh, great, great fun. Um, good buddy of mine who is living in Australia now got uh, got married. So big shout out to him. Uh, he, he's a listener, even though he's a Habs fan. I think we've mentioned him before. Yeah, he congrats, a little, BC. A little twirl in the, uh, in the uh, Australian uh, Pro League as well. So um, yeah, he got him hitched, um, emceed, the wedding, which I think I've done like six times now, um, so it's, <laughs> it's become old hat. Um, but yeah, it was it was great time. I've never really done like the you know the down south thing, um, so quite an experience to cross the international date line and uh, and the equator and and kind of get that uh, oh that that jet lag man. It was uh, <laughs> quite a, quite a transition, but. Um, was it worse going there? Well, um, don't you remember the story about his flight there, Keith? Maybe you should share it with the, the rest of the listeners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I needed to bring that up. I'm glad you did. The flight there definitely sounded like it was worse. I, I tweeted about it, but yeah, I, you know, my, my flight from Los Angeles to Fiji, the long haul, you know, 11 hours. And I'm in the middle seat, which was obviously very poorly thought out, but I don't think that there were a ton of seats left anyway when I booked it. But um, ended up in a middle seat, you know, fine. But then like very quickly, the two people start talking over me and I realized that they know each other, but they were, it, it was very strange. It was very strange. I very quickly decided I did not want to talk to these people because they were kind of playing coy about whether they were dating or whether they had just met or I, I didn't know what was going on. So I just kind of threw on the headphones and watched a whole season of the white Lotus and 
that that was you know it was fine they weren't that bad for like the first half of the flight i still kind of wasn't sure and then the second half it's like okay yeah these two clearly are together and then you know they're going through customs together so just psychopath stuff i think i basically (laughs) think as i tweeted that you know there needs to be a, a new jail built for this uh, and i also believe that they should be put under it <laughs> did you like offer to switch seats what? oh i offered i offered immediately <laughs> yeah that, that, that's yeah <laughs> insane behavior it was a no-go which yeah <laughs> i uh cannot wrap my head around but it was fine it was fine i ended up with uh you know an aisle seat and no one in the middle on my flight back so that was uh nice. that was my reward i, I guess <laughs> um but uh as far as being on the road goes the leafs also across the pond right now they're in sweden and hell of a segue. yeah That's oh great. yeah up. <laughs> shaking um, the rust off real quick here <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess the big question is how many points for William Nylander in the next two games? <laughs> Five. You, you know, what's been really cool is, is I, and I saw someone kind of allude to this on Twitter, so it's not uh, an original idea for me or anything, but kind of cool to see Nylander in sort of like the main character role since the team has been over in Sweden. You know, a lot of like the team's social media activity is centered around him. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of features being written about him uh, by other outlets and stuff like that. It's just been c- kind of cool to see him. He's almost like come into his own a bit in, in a leadership role, obviously in a different way than what we're traditionally used to seeing or traditionally recognizing it as great leadership skills. But he's definitely like stepped up and, you know, leading by example on the ice. Clearly, he's he's been consistently the, the Leafs' best player this season. I don't think there's any argument about that. And yeah, just kind of really coming into his own as a leader and, and a, a focal point of this organization. Yeah, they talked about that on Overdrive a little bit. They're basically saying like, this trip, you know, you you can look at Matthews and Marner and these guys that get asked to, you know, to do the media stuff every time, you know, every game, every practice to kind of like take a back seat here and, you know, take a bit of a break and let Nylander, you know, do the heavy lifting with this kind of stuff. And he seems to be like... He's like reveling you know, in it, yeah. Embracing it and having, a, yeah, having like, the, obviously like you get all your all your best friends in your home, home city, you know, um, kind of gets to, to be the tour guide and the leader and stuff. It looks like he's having a blast and I'm excited to see him play. I feel like he's obviously been incredible all year, but like you can tell when Nylander's feeling it and he's got his legs and like he's the best player on the ice when, when you get that version of him and there's not much of a better scenario than, than the one he's in right now to, to kind of, just completely take over two games. I'm really excited to see. Well, it. He's going to want to put on a show. He's shelled out for like 90 to 100 tickets. He said for the for the two games. Yeah. and his yeah. grandma is going to get to see him play live for the first time. So just a lot of yeah. really cool stuff uh, happening for not only Nylander, but the rest of the Swedish players on the roster as well. Yeah, he, he's going to be dialed. Did Did you see the uh, the video of of all of them walking in and into practice and being asked their favorite Swedish player? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. I, I actually like. I love that content that like as far as like the Leafs social yeah, stuff goes I've enjoyed it. Th- that stuff is always good just watching them try to answer these funny questions on the way out to practice or coming yeah. off the ice or whatever but yeah the, the Nylander's uh, answer initially pointing to himself before uh, pivoting to his <laughs> old man was pretty good I uh, they just put out a uh, 
Swedish candy taste testing. Okay. One, yeah. Um, like a few, right, like not too Excellent. long ago. And it's basically just Nylander like walking up to the table and then somebody else walk, him walking away and then somebody else walking up to get one and him like circling back and all excited <laughs> yeah. and talking to them about it and stuff. So he's, yeah, he's, he's having a ball. He's, yeah. He's ready to go. Yeah. Th- th- this content is, it's the only thing that, that is keeping me warm to Ryan Reeves at this point. I think the Alex <laughs> Steen show, I was, I was loving it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, John, Klingberg got a shout out. Was that Lagasin? I think. Yeah, yeah. Lagasin gave Klinger a uh, shout out. Klingberg. Um, it's a, that's the that only appearance value. John Klingberg has made on the <laughs> Swedish trip so far. So I don't know if we want to get into yeah. that just yet. But uh, seemingly, yeah. I, let's. I mean, um, I, I guess that you almost have to start with uh, trade rumors, which have been coming out of Calgary quite heavily involving all kinds of players over the last few weeks. So whether he's, you know, involved in something or, um, you know, he's just kind of resting up to to be ready to try to get into one of these games. I don't know what the story is, but uh, yeah, he's kind of been MIA. Definitely been MIA and the whole situation surrounding him is kind of weird. Um, I mean, his play has not been up to par or anywhere close. So like, just based on merit, he's probably deserved to come out of the lineup. And, you know, he, he did sit out that game uh, against Calgary last weekend on the Friday night and, you know, miraculously recovered in time for Saturday night's game, which might have been his best as a leap <laughs> to this point. And then, you know, once again, injured and missing in action as the, as the team heads to Sweden. I know Keith uh, mentioned that, the long flight didn't do him any favors. I mean, it, it's all speculative here or whatever, but you can imagine if you've got some sort of nagging back or hip issue or something of that nature, you know, a, a 11, I don't know how long it takes to fly to Sweden, but uh, it, it's certainly not a, a quick flight. So you can imagine how that would have an impact on an injury like that. So it could be something like that, but it's just a lot of weird stuff going on. You know, Keith talking about protecting him and then, you know, he's kind of a, a pseudo healthy scratch against Calgary on that Friday night, you know, even though, you know, they, they're talking about him dealing with some kind of injury, but it, it, it's just strange for him to be back in the following night and then, you know, back on the missing list again here. So don't know what's really going on with Klingberg aside from the fact that he has not been nearly good enough to warrant a spot in the lineup every night. No. And yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't really check out like what's happening, like for him to, you know, play, not play. And then, you know, just, he, he did uh, miss a lot of training camp. So there's, yeah, this, he was hurt to start the year. Like he just got in for opening night. Like it was like questionable if he was going to be in the yeah. opening night lineup, but you're whether, you know, whether he's hurt or not, like, he's flat out not been good enough. Like logason has been better than him and like, he's got to be a lot better for the amount of money that he's making. But I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that considering he hasn't been, <laughs> he has been this exact player for the last yeah. like, three years. Go like it's not, it's not, you took a, you took a bet on a reclamation project. That's clearly not working. And you know what we have seen, we've yet to see true living do is clean up a mistake in the way that we've seen Dubis. Like Dubis made mistakes. Every GM does. was always absolutely nobody's perfect, right? But he was able to, you know, make the most out of his mistake in like the, you know, Richie for and getting Labushkin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like he, he's swing and miss and let's see what, what he does here, like to, to clean this up. Cause with all this trade rumor stuff and speculation going on with Calgary, which even before the Milstein stuff, like, 
that it just has always felt like yeah. it was going to happen. Like Leafs need D. They've got three UFADs. They're all tree living guys, you know, that he's had there. They're, they're all, you know, I guess not, not Hannafin so much, but, you know, varying degrees of like your rugged defenseman. So we're talking Tanev, Hannafin, Zadorov. Zadorov, yeah, exactly. Zadorov obviously being the, the most with the most snot, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's made sense from the from the get go, and now you have all this extra smoke. Um, but if something's going to happen, like Klingberg's money's got to go out. That's why you know, just I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but like we all hated that signing on day one. We we didn't think it made oh, yeah. any sense then, yeah. and you know we're what twelve, thirteen games into the season, and it, we're already talking about how is Treliving going to fix this mistake? And it, it just like it, it should have been something that everyone's seen coming especially the guy that's in charge of signing those contracts so well the weirdest thing for me is like the reeves one i don't think any of us liked it but you could at least look at the Reeves one and go all right i get this like i understand what his utility is and what you're expecting to get out of him now he's been dog shit and the risk isn't as great either. no you can bury it most of it but yeah. yeah yeah you can bury most of it i don't like it's either 100k or 200k that counts against the cap like it's nothing but you could at least understand the thought process behind it. It's the same thing that New York did when they signed him. It's like, oh, you know, there there was was it Panarin that got ragdolled and beat up, yeah. and then you know, and the same. And then you look at Nyes and Bennett. Like it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna remedy this. Like the the logic checked out. Nothing about the Klingberg signing made sense. No, I mean, like there is you know the talk of them wanting to get better at moving the puck up the ice and and things like that. But I mean, you couldn't find that somewhere else like you had that eric gustafson yeah you, literally eric gustafson who is having himself quite a nice year with the rangers uh so far from what i've yeah. seen out of his play at least and i mean what what did he sign with the rangers for i i, I don't think it was even a million dollars it's under a million yeah. isn't it yeah. so like yeah. just to to kind of let that walk out the door and then you've got a guy like in-house like connor timmons who you know granted it wasn't tree living who traded for him and gave him that contract but he is you know something of a, a homegrown asset in a sense that you know that you you shelled out something to to bring him in and you're trying to rehabilitate him into you know a useful nhl player it, it just mm-hmm. never really made any sense to to shell out that large of a, a chunk of their limited cap space this past offseason to a player who has as you said keith been this for a couple of years now that's the thing right like i mean it's the ticket because once like i see where you're coming from you know maybe you want to take some minutes off of riley on on the power play and get a different look for the power play and and you know you, you have a guy that you can kind of shelter but like you didn't quite have the makeup to do that. And once you exactly. see the price that they paid, it's like clear that, oh, this this is their plan for the top four. And that's just not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys have seen any of this kicking around, but like Kipper had mentioned it sometime earlier this week, you know, just kind of spitballing or kicking the idea around of it maybe ending up on LTIR. And then you, you had uh, James Myrtle was on with uh, J.D. Bunkus as well talking about you know the possibility of of something like that coming into effect like was this something that was maybe discussed when the contract was signed you know uh potentially some kind of medical red flags that you know the Leafs maybe glossed over or you know looked the other way on with kind of a 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge understanding from Klingberg's side that if this doesn't work out, he's going to be willing to kind of, you know, join Matt Murray on Robida Island sort of deal. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, again, that's all very speculative and n- none of us know that for sure. There's been no concrete reporting on anything like that, but it, it just, the entire situation right from the, the in, initial signing itself all the way up to now and everything that we've seen go on with Klingberg and the team in the last week or so is just, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. So do you think that a deal is going to happen with him, with the flames? Do you think that, you know, that's going to happen regardless of what happens with, with Klingberg? What do we see uh, playing out in the next few weeks here? It's, I mean, you never really know, like, especially this early in the season, you don't typically see a ton of deals this early in the season. You know, you see the odd one, you know, right around this time, usually maybe mid November, early December, but not usually a whole lot of substance at this time of year. But again, unique situations. Zadorov has made it clear that he wants out of Calgary has gone so far to, you know, float it out there in the media that he would welcome a trade to Toronto specifically, you know, not saying that they're the only team he'd uh, be willing to go to. But you got to feel like there's some kind of resolution coming to that situation sometime soon. Uh, whether that's going to involve the Leafs uh, is uh, is another story. I mean, a, lo- a lot of people are kind of like making this link the to living to Calgary thing, but like, would the Leafs be wanting to do Kyle Dubas any favors in Pittsburgh? I, I just I don't really see that kind of unfolding that way. And if the Flames are going to be making a deal with their former GM especially with him in a, you know, kind of up against it in a, in a sort of desperate position with the state of the Leafs blue line, like they're going to want to win this trade and it's going to be Craig Conroy's first real deal as the GM of the flames. Uh, I just, I worry about the Leafs kind of getting the blinders on and being hyper-focused on this one player that's available right now on the open market and just kind of, I don't know, maybe overextending uh, on that one player a little bit. Yeah, price has got to be right. Yeah, the price has got to be right. That's kind of like I say. If you move Klingberg's money out and you're getting some retention on these deals, like there's probably room to make two acquisitions, right? So as long as like Zadorov's not, you can't get into a ridiculous bidding war over a guy, you know, that's realistically a third pairing guy on a on a cup contending team high end he's a number four high end yeah exactly like i was gonna say you could maybe squeeze him in on a second pair with a really good partner and we talked about this too keith like there's the element of zadorov like almost being like a better fit for the leafs specifically than he is overall as a player that could also sort of lead to the least overpayment yeah yeah and 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 i think like I bounce back and forth in this because like, I think we all loved what Shen brought, right? Like, and I think you could get some of that, you know, with him and arguably better, like uh, he's arguably a better player. than yeah, Shen, I, It's like right? if you left Shen next to a fucking nuclear power plant, he's a fucking mutant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, you know, up until last year, he really wasn't that great. Like he had a really good year last year. Now guys figure it out late, right? Like it's not necessarily that, it was a flash in the pan, but um, you know what I'm getting at is I kind of bounce back and forth between him and and Tanev being the one that I want. But then you hear all these reports that's like the, no, they want both. Like the Leafs are trying to get both of those two players. And There's a been, lot of smoke there for sure. It's been major names saying this, right? 
So Eric Francis specifically name dropping Nick Abruzzese Abruzzese, for me, like, okay, well, you know, this guy has basically got a a hand from, you know, one Flames ownership person or another up his arse at all times. So it's (laughs) uh, yeah, that one was a big tip off to me. Yeah, I I don't know. I think Friedman had it in 32 Thoughts even before the trade request came out. Like the the thirty two thoughts right before Milstein's tweet. Well, it's like um, you said, Keith. It's it's just it's almost a match made in heaven when you look at you know the the needs of the the Leafs and the current situation that the Flames are in, right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I bounce back and forth. If you like, I would love both, but again, everything is cost. Like you, you got to it's got to be factored in. Like I can't you can't not, it's not just writing a blank check to Calgary, but I think both of them would like Tanev and Riley on paper would make a lot of sense, yeah. and you know Zadorov on the third pair playing that kind of like bruising style with a Lilligren or something like that would make a ton of sense. But I mean, it, it, the cost all has to check out. I think you, like you mentioned Shen and you can even go back to, you know, someone like Ron Hainsey. Some of the most successful stints of Morgan Riley's career have come with that kind of partner. So I do lean more towards Tanev. I think, uh, you know, there's obviously concerns about injuries and his, his age, uh, kind mm-hmm. of compounding those injury concerns at this point, but stylistically, I think he's the best fit. Um, I, I don't want to get, you know, too hung up on the, the odd big hit and stuff like that from Zadorov. No, that's not to say that I don't think he would improve the Leafs blue line also, because I, I definitely he's, think he would. He's better than Simone Benoit and William Lagasin and probably Connor Timmins, right? So yeah. like immediately he slots in pretty yeah. high in the depth. I, I just start wondering about, you know, like not to get too hung up on right shot, left shot, but, you know, you, you start getting into a situation where you've you've got, you know, five left-handed guys. Timmy Lilligren's your only right-handed shot on the back end. You know, we're still in the very early days of seeing what uh, Jake McCabe looks like playing on the right side consistently here in Toronto. So I, I think, you know, Jumping the gun and overpaying on another left shot defenseman, no matter you know how enticing the physicality and stuff like that is, it's something that concerns me for sure. Well, yeah. I think for me, you know, it's it's kind of a, a thing that you kind of touched on. Nick was like with these guys, it's almost like you're 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 just changing the mix. You know, you're not changing yeah. the the dynamic of the blue line. You're kind of you're shifting things around, but you're not actually bringing in the guy who is properly slotting everyone down. Hannafin and, would be that guy, or Rasmus Anderson, if we want to get really crazy. Here. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. If we're you know if we're going pie in the sky here, let's let's go Rasmus Anderson. But um, yeah. I mean, it it really all kind of depends on. I feel like most of those guys could fit a role, but um, you know, maybe they're looking a, a little bigger. So we'll we'll have to see. Well, that's the thing right now with the Leafs blue line too. Is it's just like the mix isn't quite right. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of hard yeah. to slot everyone in to a, like the the proper role right now. And I just. I don't know how much the acquisition of Zadorov really changes that. Yeah, it doesn't push people down. That's for sure. Yeah. Like it doesn't make it so that guys get easier minutes. And I think you're probably pushing Geo to the seven hole or something when everyone's it, it, healthy. Yeah, it's case. basically to spell Giordano a bit. Yeah, exactly. But what was clear in the Panthers series to me, and even like let's be real, in the Lightning series, like the Leafs kind of kind of were rewarded with some puck luck that they didn't get in years past. Like yeah. they, ne- they weren't necessarily the best team in that series. Brody, McCabe, Geo were all overmatched in the like, yeah. like ask you're asking too much of them yeah. in the playoffs and if you want to be realistic about winning a cup you're right like you got to come in from the top with the D and have those guys all take easier assignments 
Like, and, and hopefully Gio be your seventh guy. Love him. But again, he's 40 years old. I don't know where he's going to be come late April or early May, right? Like it's, it's and, not- and we all know you need your seventh and probably your eighth guy that time totally. of year anyways. So like, I wouldn't get too hung up on that. You know, we're seeing it right now. We saw it all last year as well. Just how easily injuries can mount on the blue line. So, you know, you're going to need bodies uh, throughout the course of the season, especially when the playoffs roll around. But that's kind of leads me to another point, Keith, is getting back to the question of, you know, do we think this is going to be something that happens in the next couple of weeks or, or whatever? Like, it is still very early. And, yeah. you know, as the season progresses, there are going to be, you know, theoretically, there's going to be more teams that are selling off pieces as the season goes on. You know, Calgary's mm-hmm. kind of in a unique situation where they have all these pending unrestricted free agent defenseman. They've got a new GM, you know, he's kind of got that leeway for them to suck this year. You know what I mean? That he can almost throw in the towel and sort of kickstart that, that retool. Yeah. Put his stamp on it. He's kind of got that, you know, that grace period right now. I I think, you know, and, and they're bad. Yeah. They're, they're they're bad. It it doesn't look like like they're going to turn it around. Put it that way. So, I mean, there's all kinds of factors involved here. Of course, the Zadorov, you know, request is the most, pressing thing so you know it's a tough spot to be in as a you know an opposing general manager if that's a player that you think is going to help your team but is maybe not the ideal target that you know if you had your pick of the litter later on in the year maybe he's not the guy you go for but you also don't want to miss the boat if he ends up being the best thing available as the season wears on so yeah, re- really interesting to see where it goes. But at this point, I'm not. It's it's been 12 games. I'm not panicking to you know kind of unload no. my best trade package for a guy who's you know probably a four or five defenseman. Well, you in like the whole like Logason and Benoit and, and that like remember how long we had Victor Mete and Mac Hollowell and Jordy Ben in the lineup last year? Yeah. Like this stuff happens and just roll through it and then Logason kind of take a better all picture. Logason's been awesome. Yeah. He throws his body around. It's great to watch. But I think like with the the Zadorov thing is like that was again, it was it's the fit for the Leafs specifically yeah. that makes where it becomes like intriguing and the fact that yes, the trade requests and everything. So I think if you like Everything that I've read from all of the you know the big name insiders is that True Living wants to add two defensemen to this team, yeah. and I think if so, if you can get out ahead of it and you can get Zadorov for a reasonable price, but the problem is like those are the types of defensemen that get overpaid for, and again with the fit for the Leafs, the trade request that wants to go to the Leafs, like. I don't know. It's just it, it's a recipe for a bad trade. But if you can get him like get him for like a third or second or you know a third and a nothing prospect then sure but it sounds like there's like four or five teams in on them so i don't i don't think that's what i don't think it's gonna be that cheap uh, leafs are getting some offensive contributions from a source that we have been waiting on mm. a, a little while here nick robertson has been making an impact in his uh, latest stint in the show is it is it for good nick or or what's what's your read here my read is that he looks like an entirely different player um of course the the biggest concern with robertson has never really been whether he's going to you know have the talent to develop to this point it's whether he's going to be healthy long enough to develop to this point so i think that's still very much the question i mean it's been four games since he was recalled to the leafs so i think you know with robertson those injury concerns are always going to hang over his head until 
they don't. You know what I mean? Like until this guy is healthy for an extended period of time, those concerns aren't. Don't going hang them over his head; they might fall and fucking crush him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty fine. But like he's been fantastic since the beliefs called him up this m- most recent time. And I think, you know, if he is able to avoid the injury bug, this does look like the time that he is really going to establish himself as an NHL or it's obviously the, the points have been nice. Um, he's got two goals and two assists in those four games, but like it's, you, you watch him and he's still bringing that kind of like frenetic pace, still playing with a lot of energy, chasing pucks all over the place. But he's not, like, just completely out of control like we've seen in the past. I feel like there's a lot more composure to his game. He's, like, getting into lanes and breaking up pucks, you know, even just on little rim arounds by the defense, just getting in there on the forecheck. And he's really brought something to that third line. And, you know, in conjunction with Max Domi moving to the middle, where I think he is just – he's looked – infinitely better since moving to the middle you know i don't how much of that is playing with another offensively gifted player like robertson and how much of that is just kind of having more room to to get his feet moving and and control the play that way but it's it's been a huge thing for the leafs in these last few games to finally get some secondary scoring this team was absolutely starved for it uh there wasn't a whole lot of offense coming from anyone beyond the core four forwards and, you know, now you've got, like, Bertuzzi started chipping a little bit the last couple of games, and you, you can see things taking shape with the forward group, and it's really starting to settle into something that you feel confident moving forward with. And I think Robertson's been a huge part of that. Um, if he can keep this up and, you know, just provide – it's not just about putting up the points, right? And Sheldon Keefe talked about this uh, a little bit earlier in the season. Just, like, go win your shifts, Spend some time in the offensive zone so it's not entirely on the big guys to not only generate momentum but you know maintain it. So now you've got a little bit of that lower in the lineup, and I, I think that's going to be a, a real key if the Leafs are going to be able to have success is just kind of sustaining that secondary scoring, and Robertson has definitely looked capable of doing that so far. Yeah, I think for me, like, yeah, obviously he has an NHL like skill set and, you know, the, I guess some of the things that I noticed about him the first few times where he's up is he was kind of just trying to do too much. Yeah. Like he was a little bit over, like he's plays that, you know, water buggy kind of style. But if anything with the shit that he's gone through and just how bad you felt for him, like in, in last year, like I kind of was, that was my biggest fear with him coming up now is he was going to try to cram, you know, a year's worth of proven well, we people, about two years camp, worth right? of proven people wrong. Yeah. He just, and, but he hasn't done that. No. And, and I think that's such a sign of maturity for him that he's come up and he's just, like you said, he's just focused on winning shifts. He's they're They're getting in on the forecheck. They're, they're, you know, getting a like sustained offensive zone time and they're not, three big guys like in there and they're cycling the puck they're doing well like it it doesn't there's no reason to think that he can't continue to do the things that he is doing right now other than injuries like you nailed it that's the only thing about him that you know rightly or wrongly I'm, I'm afraid of and obviously injuries for the most part are freak accidents and maybe he and, and is a lot just of his getting yeah it's not like he's re-aggravating a, a nagging injury it's been different shit every time but you know at some point you have to be like okay this isn't a coincidence but at the same time maybe he's just getting you know a bunch of bad luck out of the way early in his career and you hope that he you know turns a corner on that stuff because there's nothing about his game that isn't nhl ready other than the fact that he can't stay healthy but 
yeah, I mean, that whole line has really made the rest of the team just take shape too. Like obviously getting McMahon in for Reeves is a big part of that too, but that's only been one game. But you just, I don't know, like Yarn Croak looks good. Domi looks like 10 times better. He was doing nothing uh, on the wing. And yeah, it just all kind of takes shape right now. So yeah, you just hope the, they hope the kid can stay healthy. With the moves that they made in the offseason, it always kind of seemed like this was the way that they should lean. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an adjustment period between Sheldon Keefe and his new GM, you know, trying to figure out how to best deploy the roster that he's been given by the new guy. And but you're right. Like, it, it never made sense to have Domi on the wing roster construction-wise because David Camp's not a third line. Center. That's just it, right? So, like, lean into the – even if you've got to shelter the hell out of it, you know, that third line – and, and, you know, again, it's been four games. There's lots of season left. We don't know what playoffs will yeah. bring or whatever. But for now, like, when you're getting this out of that trio, you just keep running with it. You really lean into what they do well and try to shelter them as best you can. And now you can kind of do that, you know, if you don't have Ryan Reeves out there every night. Yeah, because you can give Camp, Gregor, and McMahon D-zone starts and actually allow David Camp to do the things that he's good at because – for how shitty Reeves was as an isolated player, he was neutering fucking David Camp. Yeah. Like he couldn't do any. He like what he can't do the things that he's supposed to do and get buried in the D zone and you know take the puck from the D zone to the offensive zone and get a face off and get the big boys yeah. out. He, you can't do that with Ryan Reeves on your ring on your wing. And that, that was a, puck just keeps going just in your net. Never made sense going back to the signing. Like just you know you raised all those points earlier. Of course you can understand the logic behind wanting the enforcer. The the contract isn't yeah. entirely restrictive or anything like that. But when you were looking at the lineup on papers, like where the fuck is this guy going to play without you know hindering what we need out of someone else? And it was just never there, and it hasn't been there through the eleven games that he's played. And honestly, at this point, I'm not sure how many more he's going to play. No. Yeah. That's a good question. Like, you, you can't put him out there. He can't play. Like, yeah, that's it. I, mean, that's- I would love for him to be able to play. I would love to have a guy who will go out there and smoke guys and punch them in the face and be able to, you know, even just break even once in a while. But he hasn't even been coming close to doing that. Like, and Because he can't keep up, man. He's so yeah. slow. And when Wayne Simmons was here, he was slow. But I, I don't think that – like. Simmons was bad towards the end. Simmons is still better today than Reeves. Weiss is good (laughs) as Reeves is ever. Like, it's not even like, I mean, first season Simmons until he had that injury looked awesome. And, but yeah, I mean, like at any point, even Clifford Simmons, like these guys that they brought in to play that role. Genuinely, Kyle Clifford would be better. Uh, Kyle Clifford right now, 10 times better than Reeves. And he's terrible. Yeah. Like he just, he can't, he's a liability. He can't play slow. The things that he's good at doing, like, actually like getting in and laying a big hit how's he going to do that when he's six strides behind everybody on the ice like it's it's not possible and and like there's part of me that feels bad for him because you know you look at the dash 11 through 11 games or whatever it is now he isn't entirely at fault for every one of those minuses but like at at some point the the common denominator thing is just jumping right out at you and you, you you can't play him like he he just he can't do anything out there at all and you know there's the old say it's it's just one guy out of 12 and what or one guy out of three on a line but there's the old saying you can't fly with one wing and when no, ryan reeves is out there there's only one winger with david camp and it, you know it's it's just been it's been abundantly clear i wouldn't care if he was not minus 11 or whatever the hell he is like he just doesn't look good yeah. like even like i like to kind of balance watching the games with the stats and shit and like 
obviously his numbers are terrible, but like just watching the guy on the ice, you're like, this looks like he won a con- contest to be out there. Like he's not, he's not a pro, like a pro player. I don't think there's any dissenting opinions remaining on that at this point. Like I think basically no. anyone who has watched the Leafs through the first part of the season here, we're all on the same page. Like the guy can't play. It's, it's obvious. It's interesting because between him and Klingberg, you have historically the two sides of fandom yeah. of you know the eye te- the eye test people and the analytics people and they hate both sides hate both guys right now which is horseshoe theory that baby. never happens <laughs> yeah. yeah i i think i'd rather fucking call up uh, mike brown see what he's saying give him another go at this point than, than roll reeves out there oh anymore. man we should have saved him for remember a leaf i, I know Jay rosa looks like he's in shape he's still seeing him on those podcasts oh, rosie st- can yeah. still chuck him guaranteed uh so I guess that probably the, the biggest development since we last recorded would be the fact that uh, Joseph Wall is now the starting goalie for this team. Uh, is he? Uh, <laughs> uh, nice outing for Sammy against Vancouver, but uh, he's he's had a tough start. Wall has kind of taken the reins. I mean, it's it's been a little up and down. But uh, either way, Nick, your your bold prediction from our season preview is looking much better at the moment. Well, I'm still feeling good about that. I still do feel like, you know, between the two guys that are on the roster right now, Joseph Wall is is the guy that's, you know, more likely to take the reins and be the go-to guy moving forward. But, you know, he hasn't exactly been perfect his last couple of starts either. You know, that's to be expected. A guy that is really in his first full NHL season. But you're just going to need one of these guys to give you some saves here on a consistent basis and uh, definitely haven't seen that from Samsonov through the early part of the season. You know, maybe some signs of life his his last couple of starts out there. Um, but yeah, I've been impressed with wall, you know, like even in the games where maybe his numbers don't look so great at the end, uh, you know, the Ottawa one, notwithstanding because well, the Calgary uh, game is perfect example of it. Like he really yeah. played well in the, in the third period. He, it doesn't and I don't overtime, even, it, yeah. and overtime, like his save percentage and the shootout, like his save percentage, I don't think looked pretty at the end of the game, but he kept he made some in big it. saves, timely yeah. saves, even like the game against Buffalo, where I think he let in five or whatever. There was there weren't really any of them where you're like, oh man, like you can't have that go in. And I feel like that's been the case several times with Samsonov early on yeah. this season. And even when, you know, he is kind of making the saves, there's still that element of like swimming in a swamp out there. He's like losing his net a lot. Yeah, that's I, the scary I, I thing about when, Samsonov. When Samsonov sure. has looked bad, he's looked really bad. When Wall has, you know, maybe looked bad, it still hasn't been you know, horrific or something that would make a goalie coach want to rip his eyes out of his head. So yeah, the, you know, still a lot to be written there. I think with those two, but still feeling good. Yeah, about Wall. Y- y- they're both big guys, but like they're pretty polar opposite goaltenders in terms of their style, yeah, right? Like even definitely. when Samsonov's looking, even when Samsonov's keeping the puck out of the net and his numbers look good, it's not always pretty. So yeah. it, whereas like wall is your like textbook goaltender, um, you know, kind of calm and collected uh, what you want them to look like type of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we just don't have to like declare who the starting goalie is at any point this year. And you just ride the guy that's playing the best and it's going to fluctuate. And then you make a decision for game one. Like, I don't think we need to like constantly be having this referendum of like, who's the one a like, just let it happen. Like who, who, whoever's playing the best, it could be Samsonov in the month of December. It could be, and then it could be wall in January. Like, neither one of these guys are going to play 60 games. So like, let's, let's just let it happen. Yeah. And what, once the playoffs roll around too, like 
when you name your starter for game one, you aren't committing to anything beyond game one. So, you know, yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, there's injuries and you see it all the time in playoff runs. Like different goaltenders come in. Like it, it happens. And you're going to start seeing it more and more as the years go on. I think, you know, we've talked about this countless times on the pod now, but it's it's definitely the league has shifted away from you know, your, your bell cow kind of starters, uh, for the most part, most teams, you know, if you don't got two now, you don't have any. So yeah, I, I, I think you just, like you said, Keith, roll with the guy who's hot and, uh, yeah, go from there. Yeah. We ultimately could just be trending towards pretty much the exact same split you would have predicted before the season and just kind of getting there in a yeah. slightly different path mm-hmm. than we expected, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, another kind of bigger development since uh, our last episode, Fraser Minton's time in the sun ended up being uh, short-lived. He was returned to Kamloops after four games with the Leafs. Glad that they didn't, you know, go crazy, kind of stretching it out. Just kind of got got him on with his season. I appreciate that. Six yeah. points in five games with the Blazers. Wearing the C as well. What's your read on this, Nick, so far? Uh, I've watched a couple of his games, or at least parts of a couple of his games, since he's been back in Kamloops. Uh, I mean, it's just typical Fraser Minton stuff, you know what I mean? He does look a little more, I don't know, like imposing his will a little bit more than what I've seen in the past. A little more confident. Yeah, definitely a little more confident. Uh, I mean, you know, making an NHL lineup at 19 years old will do that we'll do for that. a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's probably owed a bit more on the score sheet than he's even got so far. I think like there's been a couple of games where he's fired 10 shots on goal. I don't think he's fired fewer than six shots on net in any of the games he's played since going back. Um, I, I think the injuries on the blue line really kind of forced the Leafs hand there. I think they probably would have liked to keep Minton around a little bit longer, you know, not necessarily saying that there was any long-term hopes of him sticking for the season. But I I think, you know, when they made that decision initially to keep him with the roster, I I don't think the plan was to, to send him back after four games, but, you know, between the salary cap limitations and, you know, some of the injuries on the back end, they didn't really have much recourse, but to, to kind of send him back to junior and be able to mix some other bodies in there. So, you know, in in the end, this was probably always going to be the outcome for Minton. So uh, as you said, Cam kind of letting him get back there and get on with his season, just kind of re-familiarize himself with his, his, uh, his teammates and take over as the, the, the real leader on that team, as we all expected he, he would be before the season obviously a positive development for him regardless the fact that he was able to have such a strong camp and you know even find himself in the conversation to to make the opening night roster never mind getting into four nhl games so uh it's not going to hurt his stock with other teams either i know we're talking a lot about uh, trades on this pod so you you never know what else could come up later on in the season i'm not sure i'd like to move fraser minton for uh, nikita zadorov uh, an expiring nope. Nikita Zord- uh, Zadorov, no less. So uh, th- there's there's a lot there, I think, uh, for the Leafs to be excited about with Minton and everything that has transpired since the beginning of camp and, and up to now. Yeah, you uh, you got to be curious because uh, you mentioned the shots, and I, I just looked at the points. I'm looking at the shots now. Just the one goal so far, uh, he shot 10 times, as you alluded to in that one. Uh, the other games, 2-6 uh, and 2-7 shot games. Uh, yeah. So the goals are, I'm guessing, going to turn in a hurry, I would think. And he got a lot of his production done, on, as, at least his goal scoring, on the power play last year. So I think, uh, you know, with 
the the talent that has uh, departed the Kamloops roster from last season, he's going to be in a position to really be the focal point of the offense there at even strength as well as uh, adding to those power play minutes that he had last year. You know, I, I think he had a, a, a bit of a rough first game, if I'm remembering correctly, and then he kind of settled in. Like, I, like, just basically getting at, like, I don't think – that he was, you know, catastrophically bad and out of place in the in the games that he played. Like, I, you know, he was obviously getting sheltered and protected, and not necessarily, you know, getting a ton of ice time. Um, but you know, I think he played to his strengths. Like his, you know, was positionally sound. He wasn't making too too many, you know, giant gaffes. Like basically, just you know. He, he didn't look out of place and factoring in that he's 19, um, the, you know, future's obviously super bright for him. So he does kind of scream trade fodder though, Nick, with what you brought up in terms of, well, uh, I have kind of know, a tinfoil hat thing too, with the, the Leafs keeping him around. Cause it was so out of left field <laughs> and they don't have a ton of draft picks and a ton of assets and the ones that, you know, do have value and like Nyes and Robertson, like they're not. And Robertson to a varying degree, like they they need those guys like now to con- yeah. contribute on on entry level deals. Whereas you know Minton's probably you know cracking the roster maybe next year, but really not being an impact player. Like it kind of seems like the guy that would be the odd man out. Yeah. I think like if you're talking about making a, a deal that involves a a prospect, an of impact that, defender, yeah, yeah, or something that's going to cost you that level of you know prospect capital or whatever. I think, you know, it, maybe it's a bit of recency bias or or, or what have you, but uh, I'm definitely letting go of Minton before I'm letting go of Easton Cowan. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I was going to ask you if there were any other prospects you wanted to talk about, aside from Cowan, who was just shredding the fucking face off the OHL right now. <laughs> Man, he, he, like, I know he's obviously getting a more prominent role with the team this year than he had last year, but, like, he is completely blowing his numbers out of the water compared to what he had last year. I don't know. Like, is he up to like 27 points in 14 games or something like that? I, th- I think he, he sits like fourth or fifth in OHL scoring at, you know, at the time of recording here. He missed a handful of games at the beginning of the OHL season while he was still at Leafs camp. I- I'm pretty sure he, at least last time I checked, uh, he had the, I believe the highest uh, points per game mark in the Ontario league. So, you know, for a guy who everyone screamed reach when the Leafs yeah. picked him, uh, I think, you know, Wes Clark and his staff are probably sitting there with a big old smile on their face, watching each they and every one of these accounts. Yeah. They keep doing it. And the thing with Cowan too, is like, it, it's not just like your typical, you know, older guy dominating junior like he's still a very young player in terms of junior experience he's not a huge you know physically imposing guy and he's doing it in all situations like he's got like five or six shorthanded points already this season so he's been like just a a menace for opposing ohl teams to deal with uh, so far this year and it's really looking like the Leafs got themselves a good one here because again, it's not just the the points, right? Like you, you watch the way he plays the game. It's so translatable to the pro level. Yeah, It's not like there's a big difference between guys rattling off three points a game and they're 
draft plus one year versus yeah. the draft plus two. Like the the fact the fact that he's still the age that he is and doing this is is super impressive. We were talking before we recorded just about uh, World Juniors a little bit. It's still his age eighteen season, so generally those guys don't get to go. But you know, it all depends on how the the age nineteen class works out. And and uh, I mean the the thing that you know I kept coming back to is like he he just seems like the the perfect guy to slide in there as like an extra forward fourth line winger he'll bring the energy like and maybe next year he's in more of an offensive role or something like that but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. maybe next year he's with the Leafs and they don't send him to the <laughs> world juniors <laughs> not to get too far ahead of ourselves but I think yeah. he made a pretty good case for himself this year at training camp like I, I don't necessarily yeah, right. think he was that far behind Minton in terms of you know merit for a, a spot on the opening night roster so like you know, everything that he's continuing to do in the early part of this OHL season, I mean, you kind of just fast forward a year from now. I don't think it's it's crazy to envision Cowan pushing for a spot either. I do want to point out that we're 50 minutes into this podcast and haven't even mentioned that Austin Matthews is on pace for 70 goals. Like, are we just, <laughs> we just completely desensitized to this guy? Like, you just, uh, it, you know, like, we kind of are. And like, we've definitely tried to make the point on this show before to like not take it for granted, yeah. but it feels like that's what we're doing. It's hard not to. No, it is. It is expected at this point, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. look at like past years, how long did it take him to score what, what he's got? He's oh, got there was silly now? stuff. Like, like after he had those two hat tricks, it was like, it was like, he didn't score his sixth goal until like November, like, 20th it was like a well into the it's crazy like this like if he heats up the way that he's always heated up down the stretch like <laughs> it's gonna be awesome what have you guys thought of uh nice on the top line like he was it was kind of all uh at once sort of like shake up I, to the forward group when they brought up robertson moved and everything kind of worked too which was crazy yeah. like like bertuzzi's yeah. looked better too with tavares and nylander but no i i think for me for nice is obviously he's looked awesome with that line and the numbers prove it, but it's more about when I was watching him on the third line, I was like, man, this guy needs better players. Like he, like he didn't, he was making plays and like keep like keeping cycles going that I was like, if that was Matthews or, and Marner with him, like there would be something would come from this. And it was just kind of fizzling out. Cause he just didn't have those types of players with him. But like it just before, it be, you know, it was just obvious like he, he needed he needed to be put with some better players and it's obviously working out really well right now Well, like stylistically you look at what nice does well it's you know fast forward a couple of years from now like those three together could potentially be like the best line in hockey for quite a few years right like the way that nice hounds pucks and not only like hounds them but takes them away and is able to quickly make something out of it. You know, like we've seen him just pull pucks between feet and sticks and make a play coming off the wall. And you know, like even that, the first goal he scored right after being moved to the, the top line where Mitch kind of saucered one to him in yeah. front of the net while he's in motion. Like he knocks it out of the air, you know, corrals it and puts it into the back of the net. Like just some really impressive, like small area skill. And I think that just really lends itself well to playing with those two guys specifically. Well, you, you look at a guy who I think everybody, you know, in Leafs fandom, like didn't want to see go and Hyman, like he was loved. It was just a yeah. cap cap thing, right? Like he just couldn't keep him. but he's, he's further along than Hyman ever was at this age. And he has 
way more Hyman wasn't skill. in the NHL until he was right, what, exactly. 25? Like, he was <laughs> way, like, even in terms of like Hyman's first year with the Leafs and now yeah. like putting the age aside, just like their NHL experience. Yeah. But he's got so much more skill than him. I mean, he's Hyman, you know, you could make the argument is probably a better defensive player and but like uh, that kind of stuff comes with age. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like he's, he's, I think it's, I think it was Bunkus and Sammy on one of those Leafs talks that talked about like when you're putting together like an NHL 16, <laughs> yeah. like video game line, when you have like, you've got like the, the like four checking grinder guy. And then you've got, which is kind of an insult to call an eyes that like he's, <laughs> he's more yeah. than that. But and then you yeah. got your sniper and your playmaker. Like you're right. The ingredients of that line, like, check off everything you would want in your perfect line, like your ideal kind of like player archetypes. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's scary to think what they could grow into. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I was thinking of bringing up a similar thing when we were talking about the third line, you know, you've got Domi's the typical playmaking center. You've got the sniper over on the left side and Robertson. And then you've just got like the utility Swiss grinder guy. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know what, while we're on that subject right quick, like, Shout out to Cali. Well, shout Yankrow. out to Cali. Yeah. 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 I know you're up for that, Keith. You're, you're yeah, always up for I some Yaren Crow's love. But I mean, like, how do you not? Like, I, I, I never got like the, the complaints about Yaren Croak. Like, there was a lot of stuff this past offseason. I know he was kind of quiet in the playoffs, but like, the guy makes $2.1 million, scored 20 goals for you last year while missing a bit of time. And you can just plug him into any line in any position, really. And he's gonna make it work. Like he's I, taking, I think, uh, he's taking Keith's uh, Kerfoot role. Yeah, but he's makes way better than Kerfoot. Way better and, and way makes cheaper. Way less money. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. Sam yeah. looks way better when he gets shifted into the top six than Kerfoot did. Too. Ever like, did. absolutely. I, I, I kind of like. Obviously, you know, it kind of ran its course, and they shifted knives up there. But like, I. I kind of expected we would see yarn croak with matthews and minor because it looked pretty good at times last year like he, he's done nicely Playoffs, in that, those roles. like he was there up top like it, he started game one there like it yeah no he i mean he has an elite shot right and if he yeah. can get it off in space like i find he does he just doesn't quite get it off quick as, as some guys but like yeah or like maybe he just doesn't find himself in those shooting positions that guys like matthews can get into and even robertson but like those like, you know, shoot first guys. But yeah, no, I, he, he just does everything well. Like he's not a, obviously like a super, superstar plus plus player, you know, at, at everything, but he's not bad at anything. Like he's exactly yeah. what you want for that. Like utility forward kind of guy. Like he'll, he'll finish his check. He's not the biggest guy, like, but he's gets in there on the four check. He does. He's obviously defensively responsible. Like that came as his reputation, but I've just been really impressed with his ability to make plays. Um, but again, like, factor in the fact that he makes two two 2.1 or something like it's such a steal yeah and the other thing that maybe kind of flew under the radar a little bit was you know what he was playing with Matthews and Marner and then you know Keith decided to shake up the forward group and Yarncroke didn't pout at all about being moved from the, the first line to the third line he went, went down and scored yeah <laughs> like and, and, a bunch of goals you know he was asked about it and said you know we aren't winning games it, it doesn't really matter if our line is you know putting up points or whatever like we aren't winning games, so yeah, I get the move. So like, you just really couldn't ask for much more out of a, a guy like Aaron Croak thus far. You guys want to remember a leaf? Hell yeah! Well, I already did when you mentioned Mike Brown. <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that one. Well, I, I thought we had to go to Sweden because ah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. the circumstances, and obviously the Leafs have a storied Swedish history. Very much. 
You guys remember Staffan Cronwall? Do I ever? I love Staffan Cronwall. Like, I thought he was going to be so good. I thought he was going to be so good too. And that, you know, that after that Anton Strahlman comes along and kind of made him irrelevant and we know what happened with Strahlman. The Leafs punted him away for next to nothing to go on and watch him see a very reliable <laughs> yeah. been defenseman for 35 years or whatever it's been now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cromwell. Yeah, man, that's a like I know the name, but like, man, it's not clicking for me the way for you guys. This be the first remember Leaf that I'm not instantly overwhelmed with nostalgia. Really? Okay, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, he was he was a part of that. Oh, just they were going to be a stacked blue line once upon a time, you know. Yeah, uh, Andy Wozniewski, yeah. the Isaac, worst defenseman Jay to Harrison. ever play for the Leafs until John Kliegberg arrived was Andy Wozniewski. <laughs> I, uh, there were like a, there, there's like definitely like a, a dark period of like me not watching the Leafs that much. And I feel like he probably was in that. He had to be, cause it's not, it's not well, ringing and bells. He never really made it. Like how many games did he play for the, the Leafs cam? I don't know if you got his page up there. Yeah. He, um, he didn't last very long. It was very much like a, I think a long time in Sweden because I, I just remember for so long being like, you know, waiting on this guy. He's not quite as physical <laughs> as Nicholas, but he moves the puck better. He's bigger. You know, he's, he's going to be good. And, uh, yeah, it didn't, quite work out that way uh parts of two seasons with the leafs 34 games in 0506 18 games in 0708 okay. uh one point total for the next big offensive defenseman out of sweden <laughs> once upon a time uh just taking a stroll down memory lane with some of these old swedish defensemen you guys remember jonas frogren yeah that that one i oh, definitely you know you can't do this you gotta we gotta <laughs> we gotta save you, you think you think i didn't stash some swedes for the future come on <laughs> all right all right my bad my bad um just before we we wrap up uh nick the bills suck your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I don't really have any words, to, you know, beyond what you said, man. They've been terrible. I know, like, maybe there's a, a, a bit of hope with a new offensive coordinator. Um, Ken Dorsey probably shouldn't have lasted as long as he did, but he was kind of handpicked by Josh Allen. So, you know, there's a lot at play there. Um, but Josh Allen may have sewered his guy with some of these throws that he's been making lately. I mean, like, obviously the play calling has been a huge problem, but that like the execution hasn't been a whole lot better either. Uh, I mean, you, the guys leading the NFL in interceptions, uh, you, you just, you can't have it. They've got to be so much better and they should be so much better. That's the really frustrating thing. And I think, you know, as Leafs fans, we can kind of all identify with that. Like when the team is shit, like, who cares? Like they're expecting right, to be shit. No expectations. It, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And, and then when, you know, as we've seen in recent years uh, with, with this current uh, core of the, the Leafs team, when there are expectations, it is extremely maddening and frustrating and heartbreaking and rage inducing and all of these <laughs> other things when, when they fail to live up to those expectations. And uh, yeah, five and five is not what I had uh, the bills pegged for at this point of the year. So uh, yeah, they've really got to turn things around, but the shit clock's ticking, Rick. Yeah. Tough sledding from here too, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't get much easier. No, like we've got 
uh, Eagles and Cowboys coming up. I think there's a, a game with the Chargers as well coming up. So it, it's definitely not getting any easier, and uh, you know, not exactly not the, easy, not uh, any easier than ideal the Broncos. Situ- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the Patriots, or the Jets, or I mean, yeah. like some of the games they've lost have just been. But a lot of it is so like self-inflicted. It's like the other team's not beating them; they're they're beating themselves. So yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, definitely not an ideal situation for a new offensive coordinator to try and get his feet wet and put his stamp on the team. But uh, you know, you got to roll with the punches here. I haven't even been as dialed in on the Leafs as I'd like. Getting ready for my trip and then being on my trip and then recovering from my trip but uh <laughs> needless to say the bears have fallen a little by the wayside keith what's what's the report uh i know fields is back yeah this, this weekend any is he gonna get his job back? talking about on that roster or what <laughs> all that bajan stuff to me was so weird like the guy's not that good like i mean like he made some good plays and like he can dink and dunk it down the field but like he doesn't it's like it's still Fields' job, like some of the stuff, like especially when they were playing that primetime game, like it was like I think it was Collinsworth was like basically being like they're trying to get Fields to learn something from this guy. I, I, I get it, Justin Fields wasn't very good to start the year, but he was pretty good before he got hurt. Like he went on a little run there, and you know I don't know. He's back this week. We'll see. They they've their defense has actually been pretty good lately. I guess they're three and three in the last six games or something like that. Like it's how cool was it to beat the team whose first round pick you own this coming season that yeah, looks it's like it's only, going to be the first overall pick. only only win that i'll be excited for all year because it, it still <laughs> it still helps the the draft but yeah no i mean the, and then i don't know how i feel about the montez sweat thing um not that we need to talk about the chicago bears too much but the second round picks not nothing and i mean he's not like elite but I mean, anything is better than what they had. Like their pass rush is so bad. Um, so, I mean, he's looked all right in, in his limited time so far, but he still hasn't got home on a quarterback. He's, but I don't know. He, him and Ngakwe, at least you have two guys, like two NFL quality pass rushers. It's just, I don't know. They're uh, still not really showing it on the score sheet yet, but defense looks a little bit better. Um, DJ Moore has been all right. Running game is very good as always, but yeah, Fields has got seven games left to basically save his job or else they're taking a quarterback. And I'm not even sure that there's anything that he can do in those seven games that they don't take yeah. a quarterback anyway. So well, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's um, it, it is going to be a big test. And like, like you said, I mean, these two guys, especially at the top, right? Williams and May, like shit, yeah. those guys sound like they are studs so yeah it's gonna have to be a hell of a run here for him down the stretch uh yeah i I remember when the bears traded a second round pick for Mm -hmm. i love canadian last year i was excited about yeah hopefully the sweat one works out a little better i mean at least (laughs) yes Sweat at least is having a good year when they traded for him and not like yeah traded for a reckless for Chase Claypool. Not like in his third year of decline. They traded yeah. a second for Claypool? And it was not just a second, Nick. It was uh, like the 32nd overall. <laughs> like, oh, my on. goodness. I didn't realize that they had given up that much for <laughs> yeah, him. Basically yeah. a first. Well, that's, uh, that's right. We're out of time here. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's going to do it. We'll be back next week. I promise. But will we? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. <laughs>